This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your Truthiest Life. Hey everybody and welcome back to The Truthiest Life. It's your host, Lisa Haim, and I'm very excited to introduce you to this week's guest, Jessica Lebovitz. Jess and I met during our dietetic internship over five years ago, and we were immediately yin and yang. Jess is super organized, thoughtful, really plans things out meticulously where I have a lot more trust in the universe, work off my intuition, jump into things kind of feet first and figure it out. And as soon as we finished our dietetic internship, I said, Jess, I want you to work for and with me. And she said, Lisa, I've got to, you know, go down the typical route, work in clinical dietetics before I jump into something that doesn't have much security underneath it. And I understood that. And I really wanted to work with Jess because we are so opposite and because she is so true to who she is. One thing you should know about me is that I gravitate towards anybody who is authentically themselves, not necessarily similar to me, but true to themselves. I have a lot of friends, and if you ever saw us together, you might wonder, what do we have in common? Nothing on the outside seems to match up. But when people are genuinely themselves and so comfortable being that person, that's the energy that I like to stay around. So Jessica's story is really interesting. She was so passionate about nutrition, but also a big foodie. She loves to travel. She loves to eat pasta. She loves to be 
just a fun living person in New York City and before that in college. And Jess was diagnosed with celiac disease. And that's when everything changed for her. Her interest in nutrition really changed from passion and interest to purpose. She had to learn to live with a disease, making huge food modifications for herself. And now Jess works with people to help them figure out how they can live with food restrictions and still live happy, healthy, and delicious lives. In this episode, we talk a lot about what it actually means to be gluten-free, what gluten is, what it's not, the pros and cons of going gluten-free, and if you should or shouldn't. I really love this conversation because gluten sensitivity, intolerances, and celiac disease are all very real. When it comes to making these diet modifications, it could really have a huge impact on our social life, and it could also cause disordered eating, as most of you are probably aware if you do follow me. So in this episode, Jess really gets into it. She shares so much nitty gritty science and she's got the personal and the scientific evidence to back it all up. I hope you love this episode. Of course, go follow Jess at GFreeRD and check out her new private practice, Jessica Nutrition. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. Hello, Jess. Welcome. So excited for today's episode because Jess is a friend of mine. She is a colleague. She's a registered dietitian. She also helped me start the Well Necessities private practice day one, behind the scenes working with GI-related patients and things like that. And I'm super excited because she's also a Truthiest Life stan. You've been such a huge supporter of this podcast. I don't think you've ever missed an episode. And I'm really excited to have you on today to talk all things celiac, gluten intolerance, GI, and really about you because you're my favorite dweeb in the entire world. I love that. I'm excited to be here to see you. And yes, this has been my first podcast and my favorite podcast, mostly because I feel like you helped me to learn so many things I didn't even know I wanted to learn in the first place. So this podcast has been one of my favorite things and got me into podcasts in the first place. Wow. We're your, um, what's that expression? We're your gateway podcast. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love that because that is the goal of the truthiest life. And I think our listeners, the loyal ones kind of feel the same way. Like you come each week, we're not so niche down that you know what we're going to talk about. And then you learn about most importantly, other people's life experiences, which I hope expands your perspective in your day to day, but also makes you all of us more compassionate and kind to what everybody else is going through. So I'm so glad that you had that as a takeaway. All right. So I, are you nervous? First of all, I think I'm okay, but probably <laughs> a little bit. So I met Jess the first day of my dietetic internship and well, sorry, I met Jess on my first no, day. Of, no, no. The second day of the dietetic internship, my first day, because I didn't make it to the first day because I had strep throat and Jess holds and I me was to thinking, this. Who is this girl? It's so difficult to get a dietetic internship. Everyone is struggling to get these internships. And this girl misses the first day. No big deal. Doesn't even care. But really, obviously, I guess you had strep and there was a reason. <laughs> and it was super important to me to get that dietetic internship. I didn't place the first one. Matching was huge. But as life has it, you know, those like momentous moments that you have to be there for, like the night before my wedding when I had a panic attack. And then the first day of the DI, the dietetic internship, I was so sick, fever, 
this was way before COVID. This was seven years ago now. But I mean, like I might as well have had COVID. I was so down and out. So I missed the first day, which is the worst way to make a first impression with your colleagues and with the program in general. (laughs) But I walk in day two and Jess is in her little blazer. And I'm thinking, who's this cute little dork? And she ended up being one of my best friends, my business partner. You're the reason that I actually went out with Evan in the first place. Do you remember that? We were sitting there and you were saying that this guy was asking you on a date. And every day we would talk about, you know, the guys you were talking to, who you were meeting. And you're like, I'm not going out with Evan. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He sounds perfect. What are you doing? And I pushed you to go. And now I get credit for you and Evan's relationship, which, you know, is very generous. But I will take credit because you're one of my favorite couples. So I'm glad that it happened. As are you and Jesse. So Jess is married to someone named Jesse, which makes it extra fun. Jess and Jesse. And this he's your first boyfriend, right? Yes. First and only. First and only. And I was not a believer. When I met Jess, I had not yet met Jesse. And I thought nobody marries their first boyfriend and has it be successful. But the second I met Jesse, I was like, absolutely wrong. You two are perfect for each other. And now how long you've you're coming up on a year being married, right? Yes, coming up on a year being married and 13 years of being together, which is just totally insane. But I think it really speaks to who you are as a person. You're very pragmatic, you're stable, you make really good decisions even 13 years ago, and you really thrive in comfortability and being exactly who you are. Yeah, I love that because I know that's what we used to always talk about, that we were yin and yang when we were working together, that I was always like, okay, let's, you know, look at every decision, make the right decisions. And you were like, I am buying the hanging chair that looks good in the office. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, this is why you jumped into everything. You built the private practice right away. And, you know, obviously it worked out so well and it, it pushed me to be, more like that and, you know, and has pushed me in my career and made me feel like, you know, I don't need to have this imposter syndrome, but I can really be who I want to be, even if it doesn't feel that way. Right. So out of the dietetic internship, I knew that I wanted to be in private practice and Jess was not going to jump into something that wasn't promising financially or, you know, wasn't a very grounded place to start your first job. Yeah. I also wanted the hospital experience to kind of gain all of the knowledge of different disease states and all of that. And I was very lucky that Lisa had offered me to work for her private practice. So I really could get my foot in the door in counseling because that was really why I became a dietitian in the first place was for the counseling, but I did want that background experience as well. And just for any of our listeners too, when I started the well necessities, the private practice, I had a little bit of imposter syndrome too. It might not have shown to you, Jess, but having you on my team, I think like kind of helped with that because doing anything alone is really hard. And although, you know, we didn't make every decision together. Having somebody to bounce decisions off of, obviously the hanging chair in our New York City office was the best (laughs) choice I made, but having somebody to bounce off clinical decisions with and talk about cases and all of that was really huge. And I think having you by my side helped me work through my own imposter syndrome, although I didn't have a name for it. So the wellness entities would not be here 
or be what it was now that I'm not really doing so much private practice without you. So Jess has been like this little hidden secret dietitian, part of the wellness necessities for five years. And while I was focusing more on helping people learn to heal their relationship to food, I had Jess to help people manage different GI complaints or celiac disease or gluten intolerance in general. So I, just so everybody kind of knows how we were working together over the last couple of years. So you are GFuryRD on Instagram, but you're not just gluten-free by choice. You're gluten-free because you have severe celiac disease. So when were you diagnosed? What is celiac disease? And is there a spectrum of having celiac disease of like very bad to not so bad? Yeah, so I wouldn't say there's anything really called severe celiac disease. Um, you know, you either have celiac disease or you don't have celiac disease. And, you know, celiac disease is a genetically mediated autoimmune disease in which gluten triggers inflammation of the small intestine and then subsequent damage of the small intestine. So gluten is a protein found in wheat, barley, and rye that provides structure and elasticity to food. And obviously you think of gluten in your bread, so your pastas, all things like that. So, you know, when you do have celiac disease, you really need to avoid gluten as much as possible, but there's no way to have zero gluten in your diet completely. You want to try to minimize that as much as possible so that you're minimizing the autoimmune reaction that's happening in your small intestine, which allows your intestines to heal and allows your body to prevent any other consequences that may come out of, you know, this inflammation that's coming from the autoimmune reactions. Okay, so like I said in the beginning, Jess is queen dweeb, super scientific, super <laughs> smart. So let's break that down for anybody who isn't familiar with the word gluten beyond just kind of hearing it thrown around gluten-free and words like small intestine and large intestine. So I'm going to try and do this and you kind of stop me if I'm wrong here. Now go ahead. In the population that has celiac disease, like you, when you eat gluten-containing foods, those are you know obvious, found in breads and typically carby foods, your body recognizes that as an attack. It thinks that something bad is happening and it attacks back. Right. And the result is inflammation. And if you continue to eat the gluten, damage to major organs like the large and small intestine, which are really important for nutrient absorption and mm -hmm. removal of waste and lots of other things, right? Right. So autoimmune really just means your body is attacking itself. So we kind of recognize or anyone with celiac disease recognize gluten as if it was a virus or COVID or something like that, that it's a problem and we need to attack. So that makes basically means we our bodies just attack the small intestine. And because it's attacking the small intestine, that's where you absorb a lot of your nutrients. And because of that, you end up being unable to absorb in the same way, which could maybe lead to, you know, lower levels of things like vitamin D or B12 or other, other types of vitamins and nutrients, which can cause, you know, malabsorption and, you know, maybe weight loss or different types of things that can be, you know, potentially problematic. All right. So we talk about these things like malabsorbing vitamins, having deficiencies, and for 
the average person listening to that, they think, okay, what's what's the big deal? But what are the long-term implications of having a deficiency of things like vitamin D or B? And you're now 30. When I met you, you were in your early 20s. And you were talking about you know, osteoporosis and osteopenia and having to deal with things that we typically think of as problems when we get older. So how critical is it that those with celiac disease specifically really get it under control to avoid these deficiencies and malabsorption problems? So I think that's a really interesting point because some of my patients don't always want to follow a gluten-free diet. They're saying, you know, I don't really feel so bad. I don't get a stomach ache. I, I don't get diarrhea. I'm not really noticing anything as a problem with gluten. But really what could be happening is you're not absorbing enough of your calcium and vitamin D. And because of that, you might actually have bone loss. You know, so when you think of, you know, a frail older lady, you know, who maybe needs to hip surgery or breaks a hip or something like that, that that can really be in somebody even at our age or younger who has bone loss. So that's something we really want to prevent. And you may not notice it as a symptom because it's happening in your body, but with celiac disease and with the damage in the intestines, you can't really heal that or absorb the proper amount if you're not being, you know, following the gluten-free diet. Another thing to think about, Lisa and I, before we're talking about fatigue and sleep and how, you know, having energy is so important, but if you're not absorbing enough of B12, iron, vitamin D, you really can have a lack of energy and you may not know why, but it could be because your levels aren't normal. So getting those levels up to normal can make you feel so much better. And you may not even realize that you weren't feeling energized in the first place. Right. So what's interesting is your celiac diagnosis didn't come until you were in your 20s. So did you always have celiac disease or did it manifest itself as a result of something that you did, an exposure or or how does it work exactly? So the three things you need to develop celiac disease are celiac genes. You have to have the genetics to develop celiac disease. You need to be eating gluten, which most Americans are. And there's some sort of stressor that we are never able to actually identify. We never know when you develop celiac disease, but some sort of stressor kind of triggers that gene on, and then you end up developing it. Now, the way celiac disease is diagnosed is blood tests and then an endoscopy. So you're tested at one point in time, but you know if that comes back positive, you don't know when exactly did that really initiate, was I could have been had it for years, or I could have had it only a year before. My guess is I had it, you know, through childhood, but I really don't actually know the answer to that. And interestingly, I was already studying nutrition, studying to be a dietitian, and I wasn't diagnosed until my senior year of college when they told me I had celiac disease. I finally went to see a gastroenterologist and I told them that there was just no way that was possible because even being a nutrition major, I was just eating bread, pasta, and pretzels all the time. And I was like, there's just no way this can be. And then, you know, here we are eight years later, and I obviously do have celiac disease and now have made it into my career as well. Wow. I mean, that's really wild that you're already pursuing nutrition and then nutrition really became your life as a means to survive. So somebody who has celiac disease has the gene And then at some point in time, 
something in the environment interacts with you or a trigger as you call it, and the gene is turned on. Meaning that if you see a doctor and you're told that you don't have celiac disease at one point in time, that doesn't give you the green light that you will never develop it. In fact, for you, it took until your 20s for that gene to turn on and those symptoms to begin. What were your initial symptoms that led you to even see a GI? Yeah, so I had some GI symptoms over the years, but I never really thought of them as so problematic. And then in college, I had acid reflux, which I thought was pretty normal given my college lifestyle. (laughs) I didn't really think anything of it. But eventually I went to a gastroenterologist, which I probably should have done earlier. And you know, that was when they did the blood tests and they saw that I, you know, had very positive celiac antibodies. Okay. And then they do the endoscopy and what do they find? And then they did the endoscopy and they find that there's damage in the intestines and that it confirms the celiac disease diagnosis. Mm. So having learned in your early twenties that there's damage to your intestines, that must feel really scary. First of all, the small intestines do so much for our bodies to learn that you have this damage. Is it reversible? Yeah, so it is reversible. So that's what the gluten-free diet is the only treatment for celiac disease, which is why being a dietitian in this area is so exciting because the gluten-free diet is really the only treatment for celiac disease. But once you follow a gluten-free diet, essentially all patients or most patients should be able to reverse that damage and heal their intestines. And that malabsorption really shouldn't occur anymore. So it can be worked on with the dietitian and with the team to get you to a place where you're essentially, your health is back to normal. So for you, acid reflux was the main symptom that caused you to even seek GI care? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Because I feel like a lot of people have acid reflux and I was kind of expecting you to say more along the lines of, um, I guess, diarrhea maybe, you know, or, or vomiting. That's what people typically think of as diarrhea. Uh, but that's, and that's a classical symptom, but really celiac disease is so diverse. There's so many different symptoms and there, there are patients that are actually truly asymptomatic as well. They have no symptoms of celiac disease, but there is damage in the intestines, which could cause longer term issues or develop symptoms later on, but there's a range of neurological gastrointestinal symptoms that can really occur that, you know, people should be aware of. And what do you mean by neurological? Because now we're now we're talking beyond the GI tract. Yeah. So headaches, migraines, but also peripheral neuropathy or numbness or tingling in your hands and feet. You know, infertility is another type of symptom that we see um, or consequence of celiac disease. So, you know, there's a huge range of different things, um, dizziness, all of that. It's pretty severe, and I think that it's a really misunderstood, especially because so many people are gluten-free by choice or because of sensitivity. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to be. 
Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Before we kind of go into the differences between celiac and gluten sensitivity, I'm curious because typically when I think about people who are on gluten-free diets or even the people that I know who have celiac diagnosis, and I know quite a few, by the way, I can only really think off the top of my head of women and not men. Does it affect women more than men? So the interesting thing is there's so many more women diagnosed than men. Now, is that because there's more of it in women? Or is that because more women are proactive about getting tested and going to their GI and finding out all of this? But the predominance of women is much greater um, than men in celiac disease, but we don't really know exactly, you know, is is there an underlying reason for that? So interesting, because when I was in college, and I studied psychology, I don't remember why we learned about this, but we learned that... I'm not going to get this exactly right, but the theme was that married men are healthier than unmarried (laughs) men because their wives, obviously this is like a very dated study and pardon, you know, I'm only talking about husbands and wives because that's what my memory kind of tells me about this specific study because women prompt their husbands to go to the doctor to get their checkups. And for whatever reason, men are less, likely to take the initiative to make sure they go each year. So I guess what we're what you're saying kind of here is not necessarily that it affects more women than men, but more women are diagnosed because they are seeing doctors more frequently and maybe making it to the doctor before things kind of become more obvious of a problem. Yeah, definitely. So it's it's possible that there just is more females with celiac disease, but it's hard to really distinguish, you know, if there is a confounding factor that's, you know, changing those results. Yeah. So that's super interesting. And I think it's important for us to really make sure that everybody in our lives is 
looking inward and taking inventory of their body symptoms, big or small, and taking them seriously because celiac disease really is no joke. Something like acid reflux for you, which I'm sure so many people have acid reflux because of diet or possibly because of something deeper, right? That is a symptom of something very serious going on in your body. And it's worth kind of knowing, do you need to make a dietary modification in order to repair and take the best care of your own body? So what is the difference between gluten sensitivity and celiac disease? Because lots of people don't do great with gluten, but they don't have those antibodies showing up in their blood work to say, actually, this is an autoimmune issue. So if it's not an autoimmune issue, what is it? Okay, you're going to be cool when I get all scientific on you now? Yes, I'm ready. All right, I'm ready Everybody for dark mode. Listen, so. listen up, get a pen and paper. We're going to try and follow. So with celiac disease, you do have to have the genetics for it. So if you don't have the genetics, but you are still having all of these different types of symptoms, then it's very clearly related to gluten. And maybe you don't have the damage in the intestines, then more likely you have a non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So really it's kind of a rule out diagnosis where you would first be tested for celiac disease. And then if you didn't really have all that criteria to be diagnosed with celiac disease, then it might be more of that non-celiac gluten sensitivity. There's also other you know, things that could be going on. Non-celiac gluten sensitivity is a newer diagnosis and some people attribute their symptoms to gluten, but there has been more research into, you know, other areas that may be causing those types of symptoms. So for example, there's something called fructans, which are present in wheat or amylase trypsin inhibitors, big word, you know, those types of things have also been shown to possibly be causing similar symptoms. And, you know, sometimes a low FODMAP diet, working with a dietitian to figure out, is it the fructans or those are types of FODMAPs that might be causing some of these symptoms. And you can kind of figure out, maybe you don't need a full elimination. Maybe you just, you know, need to limit it down in certain ways. That might be a better plan for you. I always try to keep the diet as liberalized as possible, that you can eat as much food, as much variety as you possibly can tolerate without it being a problem. You know, limiting gluten is so hard day to day. You want to try to open it up as much as you can. Obviously with celiac disease, you don't really have that luxury. So we really want to try to see, is there another reason or is there a threshold that you can tolerate if it's not celiac disease? Other options though, sometimes the diagnosis is really something like SIBO or IBS, or it could be even be something more serious like an IBD. And that's why it's good to see a gastroenterologist and make sure you're being tested for all of these things, because sometimes you react more strongly to gluten because there is this underlying diagnosis. But once that is treated, you don't actually respond as severely to the gluten and you can tolerate it better. What sort of treatment options are there? So if it was something like SIBO, that is diagnosed. Oftentimes my doctors will prescribe a course of antibiotics to treat the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And basically, oftentimes when people have that treatment, 
the gluten isn't triggering as much symptoms for them. Um, so it's possible they still do have that, but sometimes after they've already been treated, they're not responding as much. For example, you know, with lactose or milk, sometimes that can be more triggering when there is this underlying diagnosis. And then once it's treated, they don't feel as bad. When it comes to celiac disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity, why is it so important to work with a registered dietitian? So there's so many reasons why it's important. The, the first one being, it's the only treatment. The gluten-free diet is the absolute only treatment and it's the first line therapy. And all of my doctors that I work with really understand that. And so they're making sure that all of the patients are seeing a dietitian or seeing me to ensure that they're receiving proper education and counseling. And even follow-up with a dietitian is so important because labeling laws, regulations, food products, apps, resources and guidance are all changing with time. So, you know, you really want to follow up and make sure that you're getting all of this updated information. We talked a little bit about the nutrient deficiencies before. We don't inherently believe that a gluten-free diet is just healthy on its own. Many wheat products are fortified with certain nutrients that gluten-free products aren't. And so I work with patients to make sure they're finding other ways to get all of the nutrients that they need. We talked about the malabsorption at diagnosis. So we really focus on any specific nutrient that you might not be getting enough of and making sure we're finding ways to get enough of that out of your diet. And lastly, oftentimes patients have multiple restrictions. So they may be gluten-free, but they also may have lactose intolerance. And therefore they're needing to be strategic about, you know, which foods they're eating and how to get all of those nutrients from their diet, even with these restrictions on their diet. And as you know, with my mindful eating philosophy, I talk a lot about inner and outer wisdom here. So applying this to your work, your inner wisdom is really learning about your specific body, learning about what's being malabsorbed, learning about what deficiencies you're at risk for. And then your outer wisdom, which you're really helping people to also cultivate, is learning about what foods you can have that will minimize the risk of any deficiencies or illness caused as a result. So just, you know, getting rid of gluten in your diet isn't enough because you are running the risk of becoming deficient in other things because gluten containing foods often contain other nutrients that removing from your diet, you might be missing. All of this is so important. And I really wish that we taught nutrition in just a really basic way to everybody, right? Because learning about our bodies, learning about the small intestine and nutrient absorption, things that you and I learned, in, well, I learned in grad school, you did your undergrad in nutrition. It should be our birthright to understand how our bodies work so that we can make food choices that support ourselves, celiac disease, non-celiac gluten sensitivity or not. And, and kind of having our ability to have the radar out of, okay, this doesn't feel right for me is really key. Now for myself, we love gluten in this house. As you know, Evan's diet is primarily pasta. And for me as of late, I have not been doing great with gluten. Now having had my history with disordered eating, which by the way, never included cutting out gluten, I am very conscious and mindful about cutting something out without firm evidence that I need to. Like I said, it's a big part of our life and lifestyle. And if I were to be really inflexible with gluten, I would really have a big problem. Now I have seen a GI in the past, so I have ruled out, I believe, celiac disease. And my 
symptoms are not very severe. I just don't feel great when I have gluten. And lately, Jess and I have been talking a little bit more about it because during times when I'm less mindful of my gluten consumption, I get joint pain and that feels really awful. It kept me up a few nights, you know? So even just for for myself, having a greater understanding about which foods contain gluten allows me to incorporate it in my life, but be mindful about quantity and source. And I think that's something that people, the general public isn't aware of. The source of gluten can affect, and this is obviously speaking to the non-celiac population, but the source of gluten, the quality of the gluten can affect a body's reaction to it. And the quantity, you know, our Americanized diet does include a lot of gluten products. That doesn't mean that gluten is bad, but what is it displacing in addition? And what is that volume of gluten in your diet possibly causing a problem with? So just to kind of sum up what I was saying here, for those of you that don't have celiac, but you're not sure about gluten in your life, things that I encourage you to consider is the quality of that gluten and the quantity in which you are consuming. Because I've noticed when I have a lot of gluten, I feel really crappy, but that doesn't mean that I need to eliminate it completely from my life. And I'm very grateful that I don't because it's really hard, Jess. I don't know how you do it. You're a huge foodie. You go to restaurants. I I can't imagine, you know, having that fear of food at all times. The fact that something could be cooked with gluten for you would be a problem, right? Mm hmm. Like you're, you're that sensitive to it. Yes. So what is it like dining out and being a foodie and being part of social events and weddings where you don't have complete control over the cooking process? Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually 
in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. So what is it like dining out and being a foodie and being part of social events and weddings where you don't have complete control over the cooking process? Yeah. So I think that's the other part of my job and, you know, I live it. So I'm able to give so much advice to my patients, but, you know, it's not just about the nutrients that you're taking in, what has gluten, what doesn't, but it's also about living life normally, improving your quality of life while also following a gluten-free diet. A big part of my counseling involves helping patients come up with strategies to adapt to life on a gluten-free diet. You still want to be able to go to weddings and travel and go out for special occasions and see your friends. You don't want to be locked in your house just because you're on a gluten-free diet. So we go over different resources, things like Find Me Gluten-Free, the app and the website that can make sticking to a gluten-free diet a little bit easier and more enjoyable. Find me gluten-free. Find me gluten-free? Yes. That's available in the app store? Yep. You can get it for free or you can upgrade for the premium version. And it's also just a website. You can type it in, find me GF or find me gluten-free. And it can show you places around you that offer gluten-free options. You can filter it for different things. So if you're craving the pizza or the big bagels or whatever it may be that are harder to find, you can find places around you that offer those things. I often use it when I'm traveling to see what places are going to be nearby so that I know, you know, what options. And as Lisa mentioned, I'm a total foodie. So I don't just want to eat some lettuce or, you know, a piece of meat or something. I I want something that's actually delicious and that I'm going to enjoy. So I really try to find, you know, especially if I'm going to a different country, I want to be able to try their cuisine and try their specialties. So I really, you know, work with patients who, you know, are struggling with those types of things. What's your favorite gluten-free New York City restaurant? Well, obviously one of them just closed because that's what happens to gluten-free restaurants. Which which one just closed? It's called Arba. It like was connected to the one I'm going to say, but it was like had pizzas and things and stuff like that. But I guess I would say my favorite gluten-free restaurant is Modern Bread and Bagel. And all, all people who are on a gluten-free diet need to know about it because it's a fully gluten-free bagel store, brunch place, bakery, and has great breads, bagels, and all all of that. So that's kind of a number one for people with celiac disease or, you know, any type of gluten intolerance to know about. Okay. And then in terms of actual like restaurants and dining for dinner, is there a restaurant that's not technically completely gluten-free, but has a great gluten-free option? Yes. I should have come prepared for this question because there's so many that I love. I do love Pecora Bianca's gluten-free pasta. They actually do a homemade gluten-free pasta and my friend works there and they do a great job every time. So that one is a really good one. We can send people over to the G free RD Instagram account. I know you're constantly putting up the foods that you're eating, tagging restaurants, and you're kind of like a real life resource. And I think that's kind of a great way to stay up to date in New York city. And of course on your travels as you have them, I'm always excited to see what you have. So for a second, let's just go back to kind of that difficulty about 
being a human and dodging gluten. You've actually studied the impact of dating with celiac disease, right? Didn't you do like an actual study on that? Yeah. So exciting. It actually was finally published this week, a few Woo! days ago. So I'm Author very excited. status. Right. This was my first project that I spearheaded myself, which I think really says a lot about where I started. I think I came into counseling because I loved talking to my friends and to you about your dating experiences. And I used to always listen to everybody and try to, you know, come up with solutions and what we were going to do. And I think that that kind of carried into my career as a counselor and a dietitian of listening to what's going on and trying to investigate and find the best solutions for people. And so when I started working in celiac disease, I realized that not only is dating, you know, difficult in New York and difficult for people, but dating with celiac disease or dating with some sort of food restriction is extremely difficult since dining out is already extremely difficult. So I did a survey on this for our patient population, and we looked at the different challenges that those celiac disease face in dating and relationships. And, you know, now it's finally published and it's out there. And I really want my patients to feel comfortable bringing up these questions and bringing up these topics and feel comfortable talking through these challenges. And I hope to spread awareness to other practitioners to do the same so that it does get brought up in conversation more often. So what happened in your findings? Give us, give us the breakdown of the scientific study conducted by you and your colleagues. So we basically found that a majority were finding that celiac disease had a major or moderate impact on their dating life. So it wasn't just, this is a no big deal thing. You know, I can go date and do whatever I want. It really is impacting them. And for different people in different ways, some people were bringing food on a date. Some people were preferring to suggest or, you know, select where the date would be held. And we found that it also affected their quality of life. If they were finding a bigger impact of celiac disease on their dating experience, they were feeling that their quality of life was diminished and they were, you know, maybe more anxious or, you know, not adapting to their environments as well. We also looked at it for all patients in terms of relationships. And, you know, a lot of people admitted that they were hesitant to go on dates, but also hesitant to kiss their partner, you know, because of celiac disease or that there was interference with, you know, sexual intimacy, or they wanted their partner to also follow a gluten-free diet. So all of those factors are really interesting in relationships. We already think relationships are so complicated, but then to add on all these extra variables, you know, is something that definitely needs to be addressed. So I know that your study was super formal and you looked at just people with celiac disease, but I'd venture that this is impacting lots of people with gluten sensitivity, other food allergies. I remember that one of my uh, ex-boyfriends, he was allergic to shellfish actually, and I would eat shellfish. And then I think he was afraid, you know, kissing afterwards and all of that. So it's crazy to really think about all the different implications that these sorts of food restriction related diseases can have on a person. And it really is very complex. And talking more about like that anxiety that people bring to a meal when you are anxious and you're eating, you are also digesting the meal very differently, which can then create other GI complaints that 
makes it really confusing to really figure out, did I just get glutened as you call it? Or am I, you know, just having an issue digesting this food for something that's really hard to put your finger on? I think that's why anything GI related is so complex because it really interferes with that mind body connection and creates so much anxiety, which perpetuates lots of GI complaints. I know that in my disordered eating days, I brought so much anxiety around the foods that I was eating that I thought that I was suffering from real quote unquote symptoms. But now I know because my relationship to food is differently that it was the anxiety and energy that I was bringing towards the meal. And so it's interesting to see that like foods that I thought used to cause bloating was really just my relationship to the food, the way I was consume, consuming them and the chemicals in my body that were being produced while eating those foods. So there's so much that goes into really figuring out what's going on in your body and deciphering, is this something that necessitates seeing a doctor or is there something that I could really recognize I'm bringing to the table? So this whole like mind body approach to it is something to really consider and how anxiety can impact your ability to digest a food and feel good after it. Absolutely. It can be such a cycle. And that's part of the reason why I love GI nutrition, because I feel like I'm acting as a detective and really able to ask patients about their full picture, their story, their lifestyle, their diet, and take all of the small details from their life to kind of figure out what's causing their symptoms and what we can do to make it better. And I really feel like I have the opportunity to kind of find the diagnosis, if you will, and come up with a treatment, which is usually just through food, behaviors, relationship to food. And GI patients especially just really want to be heard and have their feelings and symptoms validated. So it's great to work in an environment where your patients can feel so much better just from tweaking what they eat or how they're eating it or the mindset that they have going into their meals. But there is a huge overlap in disordered eating or eating disorders and GI symptoms. It's not surprising to see that that happens because essentially these patients are restricted because their diets are medically necessary and they have to follow these diets. So, you know, it's hard to kind of escape that restricted mindset when you're being told you, you absolutely have to follow these diets. And that's why it's so important to work with a specialized RD to make sure you're finding the right balance between listening to your body, but also following whatever dietary restriction that you need to follow. Right. So as we mentioned in the beginning, Jess was critical in the well necessities private practice taking off. She saw so many patients under this umbrella that I guess I technically created. I wouldn't really say I was your boss, but technically I was the owner of the business and you worked for me ish. And as the years went by, I think we, we worked together for five years my life began to change and I was having a baby and doing private practice a lot less, really shifting into courses and fork the noise. And I realized that Jess, the wonderful Jess, could do a lot more without me. And about a year ago, we sat down and had a conversation and I really pushed Jess to fly, I think. And you were really resistant. You were like, no, I don't (laughs) want to work for myself. I don't want to do it. When I was like, Jess, like it's not helping you to be with me 
anymore and you got this i'm going to set you up as best i possibly can but it's really time for you to make a more prominent name for yourself so a year later we have jessica nutrition how is the private practice going it's been going great obviously i love working with you because you push me to do the things that i'm like no this is you know i can't just jump into this i need to be like fully ready i need to have like 20 more years on me to be able to <laughs> say i have my own business but you just jumped right into it after the internship and you made it look so easy and i love the influence you give me of you know that i am capable of doing all of this and obviously yes you were right i was basically running a, you know, you were my boss and doing everything. But at the same time, I was like, I, I guess I do actually know what I'm doing at this point. So it's been wonderful having my own private practice, my own name out there and being able to see patients and clients and be able to help them in the same ways that I was helping them before, but now be able to run the business side of things too. Yeah. And you're doing such an incredible job at this. And it's been such an honor to see you kind of move away from this fear and into your flow. Because after listening to this episode, I hope that everybody's takeaway is to really recognize the importance and the level of knowledge that you have as a celiac dietitian, as I call it, but really somebody who specializes in everything GI. Seeing a nutritionist goes far beyond the nutrition component of it. Obviously, you know, those of you who are listening that have worked with me might know that, but for those of you that have some sort of an issue with eating a certain food or food group or GI in general, you might not realize that it goes far beyond just a meal plan. I think my favorite part about what you said is people really need to see a dietitian because they need somebody to listen. So many of the GI related complaints don't get formal diagnoses, diagnoses and therefore people feel really at a loss of what to do. It affects them socially because people don't believe them. And there's just like this whole gray area when it comes to GI health and having somebody there to listen, to help you through the hard parts, to come up with a plan, both with nutrition and also emotional plan in navigating, socializing and traveling and living life. You know, this, this really goes far beyond nutrition and health. It goes into quality of life. And that's what I think a great practitioner can really help you better navigate. Having someone to hold your hand, a professional of your caliber is going to make all the difference in living your life most fully. And Jess, I know that you wouldn't be able to live your truthiest life if you were not you know, well-educated in your celiac diet and having had someone to hold your hand through this, right? Like you had to see a dietitian for this at one point. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that making like a distinct change and impact on your life? Yeah, I had a friend in college with celiac disease. And at the time, even though I was studying nutrition, I really had no idea what was involved in following a gluten-free diet. I didn't really know why she needed to eat at different places or ask certain questions. And I feel that with celiac disease, you really don't have that full understanding until you're educated. And so until I was really diagnosed, I and met my team of doctors and dietitians. I didn't really understand as much as I do now. And now that I'm able to be that person for my patients, and I really help them understand what is involved and help them to relay all that to their friends and family as well. 
And the gluten-free trend, has this helped or hurt you, somebody with celiac disease? So as a foodie, I would say helped because there's more options out there. There's more products, more restaurants are aware of it, but I definitely hear a lot of complaints, you know, and I definitely experience it as well that I'll say gluten-free. And, you know, I usually, I usually say I have celiac disease or a severe gluten allergy because in America, they understand allergies a little bit better um, than celiac disease, where in Europe, they understand celiac disease a little bit better. Um, so it depends where you are, but I will say that, you know, the preparation of gluten-free food is not regulated. So just because I'm saying that, or there's a gluten-free menu, doesn't mean that it's being catered to somebody with celiac disease or who is as sensitive as somebody like me. I get a kick out of like things that I know are naturally gluten-free when they advertise as gluten-free. Like for example, hummus. Hummus is usually made of chickpeas, tahini, garlic, you know, salt, water, lemon, something like that. But there'll be like a huge label on it that says gluten-free. That makes me laugh because I feel like they're just trying to capture an audience that doesn't really know what gluten is, but thinks that maybe a gluten-free diet is healthier. Do you get a kick out of that? Yeah. So some of my patients there's so much fear instilled in them. Maybe they saw a doctor who is like, you're going to die if you eat gluten, which is absolutely not true. And so they'll look at every single food product and think there needs to be a gluten-free label. And I'll tell them water is never going to have a gluten-free label on it. You know, things are okay mm. if they don't have a gluten-free label. But I will say the other side of it is that something like hummus or other food products, that label actually means that the company is testing the amount of gluten concentration in it. Mm. So if it has a gluten-free label, it should be under 20 parts per million, which is a concentration of gluten that's been deemed acceptable for somebody with celiac disease. Okay. So it is a reassurance for somebody to see that, but you're absolutely right. You know, in certain scenarios, fruit, hummus, you don't necessarily need that, but the, they are doing the testing for that. So sometimes it can make you feel better in your purchases. And last question I'll ask is a lot of people don't really understand what gluten is and where it's found and how it can actually be naturally occurring, assuming that they have no negative impact of eating gluten in general, but they just think that gluten-free is healthier because they don't understand it, but that's kind of like, you know, how it's been marketed. So now they're eating all of these food made products that are like all these makeshift ingredients, but they're dodging things like rice, for example, which is one ingredient, no gluten. I feel like it's a common misconception that if it's a carbohydrate, it has gluten and rice obviously falls into that category. Would you say that sometimes people are eating less healthy diets by going gluten-free if they don't truly understand what gluten is and where it's found and have no intolerance or allergy to it? Absolutely. So part of it depends on why did you start a gluten-free diet in the first place? What are you trying to get out of it? But with any dietary restriction, with vegan, with vegetarian, with anything, if you're going to kind of take that and then just choose all the junk food that's labeled gluten-free or vegan, you know, and eat donuts and, you know, eat all of that, but not eat gluten-free whole grains like, or, or whole grains, like even wheat bread or whole wheat bread or anything like that, that can have a good nutrition profile, you know, then you might not be ending up any healthier than when you started, you know, obviously it, 
gluten-free is indicated for certain people that it is causing this inflammation. But if you're just doing it to cut out carbs, but then you end up Mm. eating gluten-free carbs that are really processed, that have more sugar and fat and, you know, chemicals added to them, then you're not really getting that benefit from it. If you choose, you know, gluten-free whole grains like quinoa and buckwheat and millet and all of that good stuff, and you're choosing naturally gluten-free foods like meat and fish and eggs, fruits and vegetables, then it definitely can be a gluten-free, a healthy gluten-free diet. And that's why you work with a dietitian to figure out, you know, how do you make the diet as healthy as it can be, even with these restrictions. Got it. Got it. All right. Great. I think we covered a lot here. And for more G-free information, you could head to G-free underscore RD Instagram account. I'm going to link your Jessica Nutrition website below so people can check you out. If you have any reason or possible concern that you are having a gluten sensitivity or any sort of GI related thing, I cannot stress enough working with a registered dietitian like Jess to really figure out the mess and figure out what you need to cut out before you cut out everything. I've seen so many people make the mistake of not working with a professional at first, only to end up very down the line, finally going that route and figuring it all out. This stuff is confusing. It's hard to navigate. It sometimes requires getting a doctor involved and a registered dietitian can really be your guide in this process that can feel all consuming can take over your life and just be downright confusing and difficult. So Jess, any, any last words you want to leave us with? Well, I think we've come a very long way since our second day of our dietetic internship. And I think that despite all of our differences, we have a lot in common in terms of listening to people. And I love listening to your podcast and the way that you ask questions. And I feel like that's kind of why we both got into this field is listening and being able to help people and, you know, go through their stories with them. So I am very grateful you had me on and I can't wait for all the future episodes of your podcast. Thanks, Jess. And thanks for living your truthiest life with celiac disease. We love you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.